to the Mother Loving Future Show, hosted by Amber Strange and Jenna Penrose, two mothers and detectives dedicated to fully embodying a new paradigm of conscious parenting, deeper relationships, healing ourselves into radiant health, and epic answers to age-old enigmas. Get ready to get your mind blown. Because this week's episode starts in three, two, one. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show. It's Jenna and Amber here. Yes, we're still here. And we are so stoked that you're here with us today, exploring the dream dimension. You know that this is interesting to all of us. It is. As humans. Uh Because it's so close to our waking life, but it's so mysterious as well. Mm. Cannot wait to pick your brain. You're a bit of an expert on this topic, so it seems, Jenna? Well, I mean, an expert is a word I would not use to describe myself, but this is something that's always been fascinating for me. And as my mother is a psychologist and she went through psychology school when I was, you know, starting when I was five and ending when I was about 12. And so... Um, The unconscious, the subconscious, dreams, Freud, Freudian psychology, dream analysis, that was always, that was, has been in my understanding vocabulary and in my explorations for many, many years. Well, I'm, you're the right woman for this interview then. I'm the right woman for a lot of things, Amber. (laughs) That's right. You better believe it. And you have dreams, right? So, so you're the right person for this interview too. Of course. I definitely have a lot of dreams. Got a definition for us? Yeah, so this is my definition of the dream dimension. When we dream, we enter a different realm in which surreal things are possible and our unconscious speaks in metaphors and symbols. Through daily practices of dream journaling and subconscious exploration, we can begin to decipher the secret language that is spoken to us in our sleep. And with true mastery, we can begin to infuse our waking life with the infinite possibility of our dreams. You're so good at definitions. I know. Merriam-Webster, if you need a new definition writer, I'm just right over here. Seriously. And they're always fun and sparkly. (laughs) Thanks. Every time. Okay. So should we start at the very beginning? A very good place to start. Don't know. Yeah. Uh, Don't. And when we read, we begin with, with A, B, B, C. When we sing, we, we begin, begin with Do, Re, Mi. Do, Re, Mi, Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Yeah. I can like literally recite all of that show because not only did I watch it over and over and over when I was a kid, but when I was doing my master's in London, I needed an after-school job. And so I got a job at the London Palladium, which is a theater, and they were just opening the show, The Sound of Music. So the whole time I was there, I worked on the show, The Sound of Music. So every single night, it was The Sound of Music, every night. But um, yeah. Hey. Von Trapp. Yeah. I fell into the Von Trapp with that one, for (laughs) sure. Oh my gosh, he was such a hottie, wasn't he? Okay, so what exactly are dreams? Yes, that is a good a good question. So how, how I would define it is a dream is a bubbling up of unprocessed subconscious material, which is trying to get released or expressed through um, our inner landscape while we sleep. And you know, while, while during our day, 
a lot of things are happening to us and we just don't have the bandwidth to fully process all the things that we experience over the course of the day. And that can build up. So it's like we have unprocessed material throughout our whole lifetimes. And, you know, just to throw it in there from past lifetimes. (laughs) And so we have a lot of unprocessed material in us. And how does that unprocessed material begin to show itself? And so a dream is one way that it bubbles up. Would you say it's a mechanism of the brain? I would say yes and no. I'd say like consciousness and the organ of the brain are connected. So it's a function of the consciousness and yes, a function of the brain. How do you think we can heal from our dreams? Okay. So this one is is a really good one. And not just heal, sorry, learn and heal from our dreams. This is a complex one to unpack. So let's get back to the beginning of um, understanding how we could even heal through the subconscious. So the word subconscious or unconscious did not exist before Sigmund Freud, who is a controversial figure, I think a lot, because he talked about like the Oedipus complex. But when it comes to the unconscious and the subconscious, he was actually quite a genius. So at that time, this was in the 1800s, at that time, um, no, no concept of the subconscious existed, but what Freud was figuring out, it actually started with hysterical blindness. So people who, um, patients, he was a medical doctor, patients that went blind, completely lost their sight due to trauma. So what would happen is a traumatic event would happen to somebody. And then later on in life, they would come to lose their eyesight. Now, people were not connecting this or did not even understand psychology. Psychology as a profession did not exist. Like He forged it all. So people thought they were unconnected. But what Freud saw was that through a therapeutic um, protocol, which means um, getting taking the patient with the blindness, going back to the traumatic event that had happened and remained unprocessed within them, and then talking about it and drawing it out of the subconscious where it had no time or space to be processed, to talk about it with the conscious ego mind that they were actually having relief in their blindness symptoms. Now, this was huge at that time. So what what that allowed Freud to understand was that we carry, and he looked at, at it as an economy of energy. So let's say a traumatic event happens to you as a child and you can't understand it. That traumatic event carries with it an energy, an energetic imprint that you are incapable of understanding. That energy remains in your psychology unprocessed and can bubble up in a myriad of ways. It could bubble up as anxiety. It could bubble up as impression, uh, depression. It could bubble up as um, angry or frustrated behavior or outbursts. Physical it, illnesses? Physical illnesses such as blindness or other other illnesses. And you could get, you know, we've sort of taken it on this podcast to kind of say that, you know, all illnesses really as chronic symptoms have psychological roots or spiritual roots. And, um, dreams would be another bubbling up of this unprocessed, um, material that exists within us. Um, so how can we heal from dreams was your, one of your first questions. And what I would say to that is, acknowledging that there is unprocessed material in us, unprocessed energies, stagnated psychological energies in us, and then using um, the bubbling ups within a dream to be a map 
to, to lead us into those places in ourself, which that energy still exists and is unprocessed. Mm. So through now analyzing our dreams and the symbols within them, we can sort of see what's stuck in our subconscious. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. Very similar theories to the podcast we just released on intuitive hypnotherapy with Denise Braun, yes. the marriage of the subconscious and conscious minds. And within that marriage, recognizing what is usually hidden, there is a release and there is an opportunity to decode what your hidden landscape is trying to express. Absolutely. And just like, at, I think you make a great point to draw it close to that hypnotherapy episode because you're right. It's that place where that the unconscious and the conscious bridges, right? And hypnotherapy is a great tool for that because it literally, you go down into your subconscious with your conscious mind through the process of hypnosis. And I think that, that dream symbolology is similar to that in that it speaks that language, tries to get that language out to your your conscious mind through your dreams. But I, you know, I don't know how you are with your dreams, but I find that it's hard. It's like you might remember it right when you wake up. You when you right when you wake up, you're like, oh, I remember my whole dream, right? But then like two minutes later, it's it's gone. It it's yeah. literally gone. Like you cannot. So it's like this very small window. It's almost as if when we are just wake up, we're in almost like a hypnotic state where we can bridge those worlds, mm -hmm. you know? And that's why in my definition, I talked about daily practices such as dream journaling, because in that one moment where you can remember your dream, that's actually a golden moment of opportunity to draw that out of your subconscious and to, to write it down or to externalize it. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. And so dream analysis is really a healing modality. Mm -hmm. It's that opportunity to get into that intuitive space within yourself to decode what your personal symbology is. So that's my next question. Is there a universal code of symbology which we can apply to our dreams and it will be truth for us? Or is it a total customized package where only you can know what that snake represented in your dream? I am way more inclined to think the latter. You know, to me, it doesn't make sense that there are these I mean, on one hand, there are universal archetypes. There are universal symbols that are infused through our cultures into our subconscious. So, I mean, I, there might be a, something to be said that some symbols could be more universal. But I think if I were to help somebody analyze a dream and there was a symbol in it, such as, let's say, a snake or a pencil. If you look under a Freudian dream analysis dictionary, because I know we all know that those are, there are dream dictionaries out there, right? A lot of times they'll, you know, because Freud did get a bit like crazy and too overly sexualized towards the end of his career. He was also doing a lot of cocaine. Um, <laughs> the two are usually connected, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you, he might say, oh, a pencil is a penis, you know, or a snake is a penis. He's not riding a, a horse on the beach having sex or something. Well, there you go. It's just like a lot of things would be like metaphors for sex or sexual organs. And in my opinion, well, let's say that day you get stabbed in the hand with a pencil. And then that night you dream about a pencil. 
much more likely that your subconscious is like drawing the comparison from being stabbed in the hand with a pencil that trying day. to process the trauma, trying to process that your trauma. Conscious mind may have just pushed away because you were too distracted with work or kids or mm-hmm. whatever else, but your subconscious is like, no, I actually want to process this trauma mm-hmm. so I don't hang on to it and it manifests as a physical or emotional issue. Exactly. And so you're when you dream about that pencil, clearly it's in relation to the trauma. It's not representing a penis. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I think how I would answer that is I would first look for personal attachments to the symbols which come up in your dreams. So let's say you dreamt about a pencil. I would say, so Amber, like what is your association with a pencil? Like what do pencils mean to you? And you know, one person might say, um, well, to me, pencils remind me of when I was in school and the nuns made me hold my pencil this certain way. And it was, it was, it made me feel like I I couldn't be myself and I had to fit in this box of how the nun was making me hold the pencil. And for that person, the pencil could represent um not being able to be free or having to fit into a box, you know. But you come over here and I might say, Amber, what what what's your association with a pencil? And I and you say, Well, I got stabbed in the, in the hand with a pencil yesterday. So I say, Well, okay, well, let's explore that trauma, you know? So it's like people might have their own individual associations with symbols that would come up in a dream. And what I would say is, um, to, to, to really inquire yourself about what different symbols which are appearing in your dreams mean to you, you know, mm-hmm. and go from there. And I would imagine, and this is just my mere morsel little opinion, but you, you morsel or mortal? Is that what you're going to say? No. Oh, bit of both. Um, <laughs> so I can imagine for myself what is directing my analysis of the symbology would be a feeling more so than an analytical understanding of something. So if I was in the dream and, uh, you know, the pencil stabbed me and in my dream, I was left with this feeling of guilt, for example, rather than what, rather than stepping out of the dream and saying, right, what does a dream mean? Well, way back when I was in school, a pencil, I would rather refer to the feeling I had in that moment as the directive to what it is my subconscious is trying to release. I think that's a brilliant point. And the first thing that I would take into account if you're trying to analyze a dream is exactly what An- what Amber just said is like, what were your emotions? What was your emotional state during the dream? Because that's going to begin to give you insights around the symbols uh, within that. This is a really fun question. Dreams have been quite a infamous place for people to receive premonitions or visits from ones who have passed or whatever it may be, things outside the realm of our so-called reality. So can you speak to dream time as being a landscape Mm -hmm. for connection with spirit Mm -hmm. and other dimensions? Absolutely. I knew you were the right (laughs) person for that question. So, um, you know, some have called it the hypnagogic state. Some have called it the astral plane. But um, many have said that when we dream, okay, because like when we are awake, we are harnessed to our bodies, right? Like our consciousness is harnessed to our bodies. It's a function of, of being awake, really. Um, but when we are asleep, it's, it has been said, and not by Freud, I'll just put that out there, that um, 
our spirit, in a sense, is able to transcend the third dimension and go into another dimensional space called the astral plane, also called the lower fourth. Now, how can we describe this? So like on the astral plane, it's a dimensional space that's different from the third dimensional space that we're all used to being awake in. So yes, there's energies there that could be where we connect with um, souls who have departed. I know that a lot of times people get visitations in their dreams. What's the difference between a dream and a visitation from a dead loved one? Well, a dream might be like, oh, you're, you see them, you see a dead loved one in your dream. But when you really wake up and you feel like you just, you saw that person, like you were just with that person that has deceased, that would be like a visitation, you know? It feels like the difference is just dreaming as you and your subconscious doing this dance mm -hmm. and doing a process, whereas <coughs> astro traveling or having a visitation from someone who's passed is more so you're in this open space where you're not ruled by the ego, you're actually available for other greater forces, and it's a co-creation with a different energy coming in. Absolutely. Yeah. And because while we're in the higher dimensional realms, like there's a lot of other energies and entities which exist there. Some of them are great. Some of them not so great. You know, you got to be careful too. So can you speak a little bit more to um, the astral plane? Mm -hmm. I know that people try master entering the mm -hmm. astral plane and mm -hmm. go exploring and see mm -hmm. who's hanging out there and go on adventures in these kind of <laughs> subconscious dimensions yeah. or not even subconscious, but other yeah. dimensions that exist that you can only access through the subconscious. Yeah. So do you know of any people or have you personally kind of scooted around? How do you intentionally get there? Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that the astral plane and the, which I've also heard called as the lower fourth dimension is like kind of the other dimensional space that we as humans at this point in history are, have access to, you know, so that is an accessible space for us. It's a space where there's, like we said, other en energies and entities. You can project like an astral travel. So you could uh, um, like project your consciousness into different places via the astral realm. Would you say, because I'm such a visual person, I kind of need to visualize it. Would you say it's in between earth and then heaven or whatever exists beyond death? I would, yeah, I would say that it is, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say beyond death, but yeah, but yes, I, I think that's a good visualization. It's like between being alive and being out in the ethers of like space dust, mm -hmm. it's somewhere closer, more reined in, usually lower energies and entities and not like the highest energies and entities will be found there. Like people who like aren't people, quite ready to leave yeah, their body on earth, exactly. the earthly experience, get stuck on the astral yeah, plane. Yeah, sure. And I wouldn't want to say stuck necessarily, but I would say yes, like... um people who have died but are still close to their human state of consciousness, entities and energies which are pretty close to human consciousness. Um, and what do people do there? Are there like cafes people hang out in? No, it's nothing clubs? physical. I'm just joking. It's nothing Jenna physical. Jenna doesn't get my jokes. It's all just – it's sort of like in a, a, a dream, you know? It's, it's just a space. It's a space. That they linger and – 
get their last little hit of being semi-human almost. Yeah. I guess it could be a window, a passageway to completely being, a passageway to being completely unhuman maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just making stuff up now. It's not too far away from us though. It's not too far away from us or our consciousness. It's pretty So why would people want to visit the astral plane? It's more exciting than this dull old place. I don't know. It is pretty exciting. Yeah, I guess if you're an adventurer like Amber, but I mean, think about what can happen in your dreams compared to what could happen in real life. Like how much more exciting, right? So much more exciting. Have you ever had a flying dream? Oh yeah. I had a reoccurring dream when I was a kid that I was flying. Okay. Tell me how you fly in your dreams and then I'll tell you how I fly. I wrote a poem about it as well. Yes, you did. I have a poem. You Were you check- wearing your little beret that we were talking about you yesterday? You can check my Instagram Parisian for the poem beret. or I can read you the poem right now actually. But um. In my dream, I was in the front yard of my house that I grew up in, and that house was on a hill. So the the driveway sloped downwards. And in my dream, I was myself, and I was a kid at this time, and it was a reoccurring dream. And um, I just, I almost remember the feeling of just, I just took off and then I was flying. And when I did it, I knew how. It was like, oh, right. This is how you fly. And it was so fun. And I was just flying around. And then it was like an overwhelming soul mission to teach everyone else how to fly. So I was like desperately trying to teach people how to fly. Cute. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Clearly nothing's changed. <laughs> people are flying around you. You're teaching people. No, to fly I mean all the like time. nothing's changed in my psychology because I still have I this burning desire, you know. <laughs> yeah, totally. My my technique is similar in some ways. I start on a hill and I run as fast as I can down a hill. And then I take a leap in the air. And then when I'm leaping, I flap my arms and I go a little bit higher and then I come back down and then keep running and then leap again. And I flap, 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 a little bit higher, then come down. Then usually like the third or fourth leap, I flap really, really hard and I just keep going up with every flap. And next thing I'm flapping and flapping. (coughs) It's really fun. Wow. Go on adventures. So do you lucid dream? Like are you able to be awake and lucid in your dreams? So let's talk about that. Explain to the audience what lucid dreaming is. So lucid dreaming would be like you wake up in the morning and you're you you're still like in your dream, you know. Uh, but instead of being, but you're awake too. So it's like maintaining your waking willpower, but while you're in your dream. So you can basically navigate consciously navigate your way through your subconscious dream time. This normally works when you're not very tired as well. Just to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you're well rested, you're more able to do this. I heard least lucid dreaming is extremely difficult to get under control mm. because imagine being in a dream and trying to tell yourself, I'm in a dream. I'm in a dream. Like when you're in a dream, you're just so immersed in it as if that is all that exists. And that is truly happening to you. You don't know you're in a dream. The only time I know I'm in a dream is, as you said before, where you're kind of ducking in and out of sleep and you're like, oh, I that's the dreaming. time to do it. Let's go back in. That's the time. Keep dreaming. That's but to do when it. you're got it. So it's the entrance back into the dream where you're in that in-between world, in-between state. And so why do people lucid dream just to have fun? Yeah. To have fun in the land of infinite possibilities. (laughs) 
What would you do if you were a, an expert in lucid dreaming? I would just win every dream that I have because I'm not an expert in lucid dreaming and I've maybe like just hit the edges of being able to do it, but I would not say I'm even a practitioner of lucid dreaming. But most of my dreams are pretty freaking scary. Really? And so what I would do if I could lucid dream was just like beat the game, you know, beat the game. And I say that because my dreams um, feel kind of like a dream, a game that someone else is winning. So I would like to just turn that around and be the victor. Okay. So let's do a little dream analysis session for a second. <coughs> so you were saying that most of your dreams are you're running from something or you feel a victim to something. What is your interpretation of those dreams? And is there a specific dream with specific symbology you can refer to? Yeah. So I have, a, once again, it's a somewhat reoccurring dream. I'd say I have different dreams, but they all kind of are similar. They all take place in a city that doesn't exist, but it's a city that I've seen many times in my dreams. So it's like a dream city. It's... I'm, I'm thinking of it now. It's a combination of cities. It feels the most like Paris to me because you know, Amber and I have been talking about how I have like weird unconscious, subconscious ties and connections with the city of Paris. Um, so a lot of times it will feel like Paris, but it won't be Paris. And um, a lot of times the central, it'll center around a tall building that's something like a hotel but it's also a mall. It's like a, a hotel in the middle, but then on the outsides, it's like this, it's a mall where they have like a lot of shops and um, it's closed off to the outside elements. So it's completely enclosed and it's all, you know, built. Now at the middle of the hotel, there's a really tall elevator and the elevator goes up, 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 up. And I know at the top of the elevator, is where the bad guys are. <laughs> I know that that at the top of the top of the elevator, it's like evil. And sometimes I get up there. And if I do kind of get up there, I get chased. And then it's like me being chased down a staircase and trying to run out of the hotel and uh, or getting and then getting stuck in these corners where I can't get out. And sometimes it'll happen in the mall. Sometimes I'll be lost in the mall and I can't find my child. And I'm like desperately looking for my child and I'm being chased, but I can't get out. Or um, sometimes I will get out, but it doesn't feel fulfilling to get out. And most of the time what will happen, almost every single time I dream, I will be running and my legs it's like quicksand, quicksand or worst. it's like honey. It's like oh. my legs can't move fast. I hate that. Mm -hmm. And so what's your interpretation of that dream? My interpretation of that dream is that it's a metaphor for how I feel living in this world. I feel like I'm stuck in this enclosed system, which is F inherently effed up and inherently controlled by negative and evil entities. And um, that, they're, they're, that they're, they're pretty much chasing me. Hardcore. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And where is the healing in that? Where is the freedom in understanding that dream? Do you feel as though you're chipping away at the anxiety you hold around the system no. by marrying 
the subconscious and conscious? No, I don't think that. Well, I think it might be healing for me to talk about it and to tell you about it. But in terms of the actual dreaming of it and the reoccurring dreaming of it, I don't find that I'm like really being healed by that. I think it's just my subconscious like grappling to process the situation. Well, you know, what would be healing to the average person is not being consciously aware that that is something that they're deeply terrified of and that having it being revealed to them and knowing how to interpret that through their dreams, they may be like, oh, wow, yeah, that's a real issue of mine. So in your awake life, you can start to unravel that fear. Mm -hmm. So I guess that would be a a good tool to use. I mean, you're so self-aware. It's, you know, it's not news to you that that's how you feel about the systems and the world. But for the average person who have these reoccurring kind of dreams, I guess there's an opportunity there to try work out what you need to heal and work through in your waking life. Absolutely. I also really um, suggest discussing your dreams with someone else. Cause even me telling Amber, she, it's like, I'm so used to having this dream and I have all these like preconceptions and interpretations that are already kind of in my head around it to just even externalize it and to get some fresh insight. Because I think sometimes, um, it's very obvious to another person what could never be obvious to you about that dream because you're so in it, you know? Mm-hmm. I do suggest discussing with a girlfriend, not a husband or a boyfriend. Because Depends on the husband. <laughs> yeah, most husbands are like, oh, if I have to sit through one more dream, <laughs> one more session of hearing about your dreams. But yeah, maybe you've got a new age guy. I, I've never, I, I, I don't. my little coffer over there. I the think corner. my husband Balance would be quite happy to talk about dreams with me. That's good. Yeah. Do you like come to carry with like all your dreams and then he's like sick of it or something? Uh, I mean, I I don't anymore, but (laughs) the average guy like, oh my gosh, dreams. Mm, My Um, husband was a philosophy major, so he's down to get down. There we go. So I have an interesting um, idea I wanted to explore with you Mm -hmm. on this topic. A lot of the time I will have visits in my dreams by um, people who I have on the people on the other side of the world who I have extremely strong psychic connections with. Well, they're probably as- with. awake while you're asleep, and vice versa, huh? I well, maybe, yeah. Maybe they're just visiting. But if I have a strong connection with someone in my dream, and they're very present in my dream time, is that me? Um, just tapping into where they are, or do you think it's them energetically coming into my space and hanging out with me, or do you think it's a co-creation of both of us finding each other in a realm which we can hang out in? I, I would guess the, the latest, the latest, the latterest, <laughs> um, which is like we have connections which transcend space and time. Mm-hmm. They're connections of love. They don't, they're not ended with death. They're, they don't, the connection of love transcends physicality and space and time, right? Mm-hmm. So we have these strong soul connections with people that we are connected to. Um, dead people, live people, people from past lives. So in the astral plane, in this other dimensional space is a place where there is no space and time really. And so it's not confined by the rules of space and time there. So that is a place where you can connect with the people that you have these Mm -hmm. connections with. And I often feel it's a mutual uh, experience in a way, whether I'm dreaming and and feeling them or they're awake and energetically like tapped into me because I would say 
50% of the time when I have those super strong dreams, the next morning I wake up and there's, there's, you know, a text from my yeah. mom or a text from my best friend, or yeah. whatever on the other side of the world well, and go. it'll be That's around. Evidence. Yeah. So doesn't that and happen to you? You dream about someone and then the next morning they call you, they're like, I'm thinking of you so strongly. Or No, I don't, I don't dream that much about real people. <laughs> That's Valentine, guys. He's um, having a sick day with us today. It's okay. <laughs> um, my my mom gets um, death premonitions in her dreams as well, and she recently had one a few weeks ago, and then someone in the family died. Oh, jeez. Yeah, she's had it her whole life. Yeah, that's a yeah psychic, psychic. So she's picking up on information. Yeah, and it's coming to her when she is most relaxed and open. Yeah, which is when she's sleeping. And you know, might, she might be connected to the person who died, and they might have come told her themselves in in the dream. They mm-hmm. might have connected with her on the astral through the bonds of love and said. Hey, Susan, I'm not going to be around for very much longer, but I love you, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And let's talk about premonitions for a second. Could dream time be a um, a time travel machine space where you can go into the future and, and predict mm. things or into the past? Future is hard to say. So how, how about premonitions that come to you in dreams? Yeah, I think if you have a gut feeling like – then yeah. What about people who have, you know, like Nostradamus and very famous um, psychics throughout the history of time who would dream about the falling of a city or dream about someone being murdered or whatever it is, like specific sure. things, and then they come They true. could get it from their guides. They could get it from the Akashic Records. I mean, we're talking about a place outside of space and time. So there's lots of possibilities of ways that you could get information while you're there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about Nostradamus specifically how he got his information or any of the people, but I think it's a case by case, maybe basis, but I think totally possible. Okay. And has there been any moments in your life where you use dream analysis to really have a breakthrough in your awake life? For myself, I cannot think of something that's really been a breakthrough. Um, how about for you? Yeah, I, when I was growing up, I would have reoccurring dreams of home invasion. I've told you about this one before. And I remember the feeling of being in somewhere that is meant to be safe, but seeing all these shadows, people coming out of the shadows, usually dressed in black, sneaking around the house and a whole squad of them. And then I would be in one side of the house and then I would hear the door open on the other side. And as I've turned, it, those dreams have stayed pretty much the same, except as I've grown and become a mother, the whole protecting Valentine and my children have now entered the equation where it's I have to find where Valentine is, protect him and hide with him before they take him. So it was healing for me to actually talk to you about that dream and realize that home it's obviously symbolic of your home growing up, I would say. And that in in my early years, I didn't feel very safe in my home because I had quite an intense, violent relationship with my um, older brother. And so I think the healing aspect came from understanding that I still had work to do around 
reframing and reinventing the concept of home and that it was a safe place. And it inspired me to always keep the home base as being somewhere that everyone felt safe and protected. And, um, yeah, I guess I used that to recreate Valentine's childhood around home. And it was, you know, pretty invaluable when you give yourself space to step back and say, wow, like whether I processed that or not, it, is clearly something that traumatized me to a degree. And so I think it's a brilliant mechanism that the intelligence of the subconscious to be trying to clean out all the stagnation of blocked negative traumas within us as a defense mechanism from it physically manifesting, I think. So I would say that that was a pretty big dream experience, which helped me be uber aware of making the home space very therapeutic and safe rather than something that could potentially traumatize someone. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. I think that's a great example, a a really good example. It could also reveal to you things that we're stuffing down that we're not prepared to quite face yet. You know, like feelings around motherhood, feelings around relationship, feelings around your parents, feelings around work or your self-worth or whatever it may be. It could be a place where a lot of the time we're so distracted in our hectic lives or it's too uncomfortable to face the things we know we have to process that we just shove them away and get on with life. But you can't escape that internal wisdom and mechanism that's trying to get them, you know, resolved and healed. So I think it's it's pretty imperative to understand the, the dream time and have a lens um, like what we're we're talking about today, mm-hmm. to just have a better awake life, mm-hmm. a better living life. And I just feel like it's so fascinating too, because it's just it's the mystery within. It's like this this mystery realm, which is close enough for you to explore, you know. And it's the things that happen in dream time are are just unheard of. Like, you know, a lot of times I'll wake up from a dream and just think that was so crazy. Like I not even see any connection between my waking life and what I just dreamed and not having any knowledge at all of how my subconscious came up with that. Mm -hmm. You know, like the other day I woke up and I had a dream. I don't really actually remember what the dream was, but I remember at the end of the dream, I was sitting in a circle and this girl from my high school named Marina, if you're listening, Marina, hello, uh, came in with her baby and sat down. Now, I have not thought of Marina. Sorry, Marina. I have not thought of her for a long time. This is not somebody that I think of. This is not even somebody that I have any particularly strong feelings or associations with. But do you think if she's thinking about you, she could enter your space when you're maybe. dreaming? That's, that was my point before. Yeah, maybe. Where because you're just in this vulnerable, open space, she could be thinking about you really intensely and mm. enter your space. I wonder if she is. Yeah. If you're listening, Marina, please reach DM me. Reach out to her. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'll reach out to her. Yeah. She's a pharmacist now. Mm-hmm. She always wanted to be a pharmacist and then she ended up being one. Mm-hmm. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of people dream about when I was pregnant. Mm. People I haven't spoken to in years would text me saying, I had the most intense dream last night that you were pregnant and I had just found out I was pregnant. It's Mm. probably happened every single pregnancy. Mm. And you know, I've had a few. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, uh, 
I, for my whole life, up until recently, actually, I was a very, very intense um, sleep talker. Mm. And I've also slept walked a Mm. couple of times. So do you think sleep talking and walking is an extension of the dream time or do you think it's a deeper state or what's your philosophy on that? So as far as what I understand, when you're in a state that's deep enough to dream, it's called REM, right? REM sleep. It's called REM because it's rapid eye movement because your body gives out a signal to the that your body should be paralyzed. So when you're in rapid eye movement sleep, your entire body is actually paralyzed. The only thing that's not paralyzed is your eyeballs. Now, why do our bodies do this evolutionarily? Probably to keep us safe because if we're not going to be paralyzed during these very deep states of dream, we're going to be up, we're going to be walking, we're going to be doing the physical things that would be we'd be doing in our dreams. Dangerous. But the way exactly, but the way that our bodies are structured is that we have become paralyzed during the deepest states of dream to protect us. To protect ourselves. So with you, there could be some fault in that connection. Like you don't fully become paralyzed when you dream or you become fully paralyzed sometimes or partially paralyzed, which allows you to be able to get up and talk. And then also some people wake up and they're still paralyzed. And that's also very scary for people. You know, that happened to Carrie and he thinks it was, he interpreted that as waking up and there being a ghost pushing down on his body and he was fully awake, but he couldn't move and he couldn't move past that sleep paralysis Mm -hmm. is what they call Mm -hmm. it. Correct. And Mm -hmm. it's a medical kind of, um, syndrome. And I would say the medical aspect would be something along the lines of, your body is still paralyzed as if in the dream state, but you're consciously awake. Whereas, um, you know, or you're just being attacked by a ghost I, or you're being attacked by a ghost or <laughs> the ghost woke you up. It wanted to scare the shit out of you. So he, the ghost woke you up and like, while you were still paralyzed or something like that, or got into your conscious mind. There's a, all I know is that there is a plethora of intricacies and possibilities in other dimensional spaces within the dream realm, within the realms of other ghosts, spirits, entities, our subconscious. All I know is that these are mystery realms where there's infinite possibilities and anything can happen. Mm -hmm. So before we wrap up, is there anything you would like to offer our audience? We've discussed journaling. We've discussed using your intuition and the physical feeling in the dream to help you interpret the true meaning for you personally. Are there any other tools or exercises a listener could try on to get the most out of their dream time to help them live a more enriched awake life? Well, the challenge that I really want to present to our listeners, because I do think it's the most powerful tool in bridging your unconscious and conscious minds during dream time, is to take a small notebook and put it next to your bed. I know you kind of mentioned this, but just to expand. Small notebook, put it next to your bed Take with a pen. When you wake up from a dream, you are going to think, oh, I remember this. It's obvious. I'm going to remember it. But while you have it in your mind, write it down. At least write down bullet points about the dream. And this will begin to help you map your subconscious. When you've written down those bullet points, bounce it off somebody that isn't you, who has a fresh perspective and hopefully an insightful perspective. And um, 
I think that could be a very powerful practice. Beautiful. Well, that's our invitation. Boom. Brilliant. And also, you guys, if you, if any of our listeners have really interesting dreams, really interesting dream stories, please let us know. I'm obsessed with stories of dreams and all of this stuff. So let us know in the comments, shoot us a DM, let us know. We're totally curious to hear. Yes, please do. This is a community forum going on over here and I'm just as interested in yours as I am with Jenna's little story. So thank you everyone for being with us today. We really appreciate your presence and contribution to the Mother Loving Future show and we can feel you all there with us. And if you did enjoy this episode, please spread the light and love by sharing this app, giving us a five-star review. We really, really appreciate your support and it's helping getting all this fascinating stuff out there, which hopefully will lead to more whole, healed, happy, healthy beings and a healthier world with your help. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. We love you. Bye guys. Bye.